Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. Hey, I want to personally invite you to our first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's a conference at the Outcomes Rocket and the IU Center for Health Innovation and Implementation Sciences has teamed up on. We're going to put together silo-crushing practices just like we do here on the podcast, except it's going to be live. With inspiring keynotes and panelists to set the tone, we're conducting a meeting where you could be part of drafting the blueprint for the future of healthcare. That's right. You could be a founding member of this group of talented industry and practitioner leaders. Join me and 200 other inspiring health leaders for the first inaugural Healthcare Thinkathon. It's an event that you're not going to want to miss. And since there's only 200 tickets available, you're going to want to act soon. So how do you learn more? Just go to outcomesrocket.health/conference for more details on how to attend. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference, and you'll be able to get all the info that you need on this amazing healthcare thinkathon. That's outcomesrocket.health/conference. Welcome back once again to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast, where we chat with today's most successful and inspiring health leaders. I really want to thank you for tuning in today again, and I welcome you to go to outcomesrocket.health slash reviews so you could rate and review today's leader because he is an amazing, an amazing contributor to healthcare. His name is John Reitz. He's a chief product officer at Thread where they help pharma, CROs, and researchers to conduct remote patient research. Their focus is definitely in digital health and fixing the way that these things are done in a more efficient way for patients as well as for the people conducting the research platform. And so uh, he's had 15 years of healthcare experience. Among his other duties, he's the advisor at Blue Door Health as well as, you know, he's been a, a guest lecturer at Duke University and in his previous life was a head of digital health acceleration at Quintiles. And so really want to welcome you to the podcast, John. Excited to get the conversation started. Thanks, Saul. Thanks for having me. I hey, really appreciate what you're doing with the podcast. Uh, I love listening and I appreciate just the work you're doing. So excited about the conversation today. It's going to be fun. Thanks, John. So did I miss anything in that intro that you want to share with the listeners about yourself? Yeah, you know, I also have a life and and you know, <laughs> what's you that? know what's that? No, you know, in this no. in this world we live in, right, there's so much to be done in healthcare. There's so much work it's we true. have to do, but at the same time, it's super important and I was reminded of it this week. That's just as important for us to support health as it is for us to focus on our health. And I'm saying that because I have to go to the gym tonight. So I'm motivating myself before we go. There you go. There you go. Get those juices flowing because you're going to be at the gym tonight, baby. There you go. <laughs> I love it. No, it's good. You know, and that's such a good point, John. I mean, it's worth, it's worth parking there for a second. It's like we spend so much time trying to get other people healthy, trying to make our healthcare system work that are we taking care of ourselves? Yeah. And I, I, it's funny. I, I just found it today, you know, I, the business that threads in, the work I do every day is helping customers to do remote and virtual research. So, you know, we're trying to help connect people to contribute to research in their home. But at the same time, one of my customers said, yeah, and our patients are on the go because they were collecting data on an Apple Watch and, a, and one of our apps living their lives. And I said, oh my gosh, I haven't been out of my house in three days with my watch. And that's why my results are so terrible. So it's just this good reminder that as we work to impact this world. You're right. We have to make sure we do it for ourselves too. And I, I know too many busy entrepreneurs and intrapreneurs that are doing amazing work in this space 
that we just have to keep reminding ourselves to stop for a minute and take care of, of what matters, which is our health and our family's health. So anyways, it's a great point. No, it's a great reminder, John. So I appreciate you bringing that up. What would you say got you into healthcare to begin with? Yeah. So I'll make a funny long story as short as possible. <laughs> I fell see. into it. I didn't go to school to get into healthcare. I didn't get a degree in anything related to life sciences. My degree was actually in communications and PR and marketing. And frankly, nice. I was going to do communications or I was going to be an A&R rep for touring bands. And apparently what I learned in college was that if you don't know people and have those connections coming out, you're not going to be able to get that job out of school. And so through a series of events, I ended up interviewing at Quintiles, uh, which is a global CRO. And I interviewed because my wife knew an executive there and she got me an interview. And I didn't really know if I'd get the job. But great thing was, is that night I got the job. Funny story is I learned about everything I needed to know about clinical research three days before the interview. And apparently <laughs> must have done a good job talking my way through that position to get it and learned everything that I really know about this sector by doing it in a job. And I was chief paper pusher when I started. Like that, My first job was I pushed files around. And so I did every piece of uh, small work that I could do to really understand the business from its highest points to sort of its the low things that everybody has to do to really move things forward. So it was a good character building exercise, but I really fell into it. I didn't sort of make this conscious decision coming out that I wanted to impact healthcare on day one. I think that's so cool that you fell into it, but you've stuck with it. It's obviously something that has resonated with you and has moved you to continue doing it. Yeah. And it's because... You know, I think we have this advantage that sometimes we forget about in our industry. There's a lot of people that do a lot of amazing things to contribute to society. But one of the ways that we do, and we can actually see tangible benefits, is contributing to research and development of drugs and medicinal products and devices. And, and being able to see that firsthand and see people, because of your work, result, you know, get, having positive results, I think it's really powerful. And we have this advantage that we live in this world where we can impact people in a short period of time with something really monumental. And so I think that uh, I'm glad I fell into it because it's what I'm passionate about and it's what gets me excited. And, you know, amongst a lot of things we could all do because, you know, a lot of people in life sciences are really smart individuals. There's a lot they can do, but having a passion for people and having a passion to care for people through this clinical research or healthcare in general, I think is a great mission that we need a lot of people to have in their lives. Yeah, I love it, John. I totally agree. And, you know, I think your your strength in communication is is a strength that is very much needed in healthcare and in any other area. And uh, the other thing you mentioned is the importance of knowing people. And just the little tidbit that I want to offer to the listeners is that get out there and meet the people. Don't stand behind your your LinkedIn or your Twitter or even email for that matter. Like go to a conference or go to a local meetup and press the flesh and, and you'll be amazed how much farther that will take your mission rather than just hiding behind your accounts, which is not bad, right? We could do that, but it's, it's also important to do like John said, just get out there and meet the people. So John, what would you say a hot topic that needs to be on every medical leader's agenda today and how are you guys addressing it? Yeah, so the hottest topic for me is how you do virtual research, right? So how do we take clinical research, because that's what we specialize in. That's what Thread does. How do we take clinical research and start to virtualize elements of it to make it either more conducive to a person's lifestyle or to collect more data continuously in between clinic visits 
or frankly, to collect new types of data in the real world that we haven't really been able to collect when they come into a controlled environment. So I think that every healthcare leader today sees that the technology landscape is helping us to move healthcare to more remote and virtual models. And so I think that I would tell you just because I see it every day and I see the positive impacts, but I'm also learning a lot of the lessons of actually doing this work day in and day out, um, that it needs to be on our radar. But at the same time too, there's this mentality that I'd say that I think we really need to take, which is, is that this is all a journey. It's not a destination that we drive to tomorrow. In other words, there's a a really defined sort of crawl, walk, run that I think we can all take as an industry to start to virtualize components of clinical research. And some people are not ready to do that. Like some people are just saying, hey, I just want to give my patients apps. I want to be able to collect ePro or remind them of things or hook a sensor or a medical device to something. I just want to do something kind of simple to start because I'm not really ready to go all in and virtualize every one of my clinic visits. And I think we need to understand that not everybody's there and that there's a lot of different sort of tolerances in those models. And so what I would say is in doing these things differently, I think it's really important that we understand there's a crawl, walk, run to this, that it doesn't all have to happen overnight, but it's something that we need to start doing today because it is happening. It is working. And the lessons learned that you will learn from doing it are much more positive than me telling you what I learned over the last several years doing it. So that's what I'd say is really the hot topic, but also the area of focus that I think every medical leader really needs to have in their tool bag today or really be thinking about how to start implementing uh, this type of work. That's really fascinating, John. And, and the thing that comes to mind as you walk us through your expertise here is the clientele that you serve. Are you working with providers and also pharma companies? Like, what are your customers look like? Yeah, it's a good question. So first off, the people that we can help, the people that we enable to do remote or virtual research is anybody that wants to do remote or virtual research. And those, so our customer base has come really out of that focus that we have. And so we are supporting pharma, large to small, CROs from large to small, nonprofits, providers, academic researchers, and sort of a number of different uh, customer types in between those. So again, if, if somebody's trying to do remote or virtual research, the way the technology works, the way the engagement can work actually has a lot more similarities and differences. And you really see that when you, when you look at some of the work we've done in pure clinical research and then some more like late stage clinical research that actually has some care modeling in it or digital care plan. So more of this clinical to commercial integration. And so irrespective of sort of where someone's at in the type of research they're doing, um, we're trying to service all those customers with a standard way of doing this type of remote research with people. Fascinating. So let's take it a a step deeper. Can you give us an example of how you and your team have improved outcomes, maybe a a case scenario? Yeah, so I'll be careful because a lot of, even though we have a lot of public work, there's obviously a lot of work that we have to wait for that to be made public. But some of the things that I really like are lately with some of our customers more on the pharma and CRO side, We've been able to take like a study, a protocol that has say 12 visits in it. And as you know, once you do a clinical research study with 12 in clinic visits, that study starts to get proportionally really expensive, right? So once you add 300 patients and you got to direct them there and then do these visits, again, the price and sort of the time and the commitment a patient has to have to that research study goes up. 
And we've been able to work with some customers to keep meeting their endpoints, to continue to meet their primary, secondary, and exploratory endpoints, but do it in a way that they took those 12 visits and made it eight. Hmm. And so they made eight clinic visits and they took four and made them virtual in this one example, study example I want to give you. So in doing that, they were able to reduce cost and say, hey, now patient in my study, you only need to come in eight times, not 12 to 16. And if you have some issue, we can actually do this work via telehealth with you when you're at your home. And so what we did is the outcomes that we produced is helping for the same, the same research outcomes to be met, but also reduce the burden for the, the researcher and the providers, the sites, and also reduce the burden for the patient to participate and frankly gave them a tool so they have their own app that has some other engagement and content and some support services in it so they can be supported throughout the study and be frankly constantly reminded that they're a part of something bigger. And so being able to, to sort of add value to those stakeholders while also helping them to meet the endpoints they have in their study really brought a lot of different outcomes very positively to a number of those stakeholders. So hopefully that makes sense, but makes that's sense. one example I give you. Yeah, you know, and one of the things that, that I've seen with digital companies like Thread that are successful is that they take an antiquated process, they remove steps, simplify it, and make it cheaper. And it sounds like that's exactly what you guys are doing. That is. And I want to say, too, that we're doing it and learning, right? Like, nobody's, anybody who says, I've built the perfect model to do engagement <laughs> of stakeholders is a liar and you should run. And I'm, not, I'm saying that because it's true. exit. <laughs> you know, yeah, because we're all learning. And just like we contribute to research, we're all researchers ourselves, right? And we're making what I call successful mistakes all the time. And they're not detrimental things. We're just going, ooh, people don't respond well to that. Or, yeah, maybe this thing has four clicks and it should have two. Mm -hmm. And that's the kind of learning that, that we have to be very transparent of, in our, especially in our industry, to say, hey, these are small sort of failures or things that need to be tweaked or be done better, but we're going to optimize them. We're fixing it in real time. And frankly, that's no different than the same experience that our stakeholders like patients and providers and sites, they all do that in their daily lives with every other branded entity they engage with from Amazon to Disney to ESPN, right? These guys are learning and changing and modeling. And I think that there's a lesson to be learned for our industry from consumer products in that we have to try things and then optimize when they work and optimize when they don't work as well as we want them to. And I think that for me, that's the other piece is that as you're doing this work where you have to constantly be learning and constantly be listening, uh, like you mentioned earlier, you know, because people will tell you what they like and what they don't like. It doesn't mean that your product's bad. It doesn't mean that, that that's maybe a change you need to make at a high level. But what it does mean is that when you're listening, you're making sure that you're not in love with the how you run your business and you're not in love with your product. You're in love with the fact that it can actually change the industry. You're in love with the fact that it can actually improve outcomes for people. And I think that's the, the piece that we have to to really swallow when we're trying to be entrepreneurial, intrapreneurial in this type of work. That's really great, John. And, and I, I love that you highlight this importance of listening to the market. And there's a book, Hug Your Haters. I don't know if you ever heard of that one. <laughs> it's on my reading list. Did you like it? Is it? It was great, man. It was great. And it basically boils down to what you just said, John, is that we got to be open to that critical feedback, especially yeah. from our current customers. Like if they speak up, it probably means that other people are feeling or seeing the things that they're seeing, but they just want to speak up. So listen to them and take it to heart. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. And that feedback's priceless. Like an old mentor of mine told me once that 
two statements that I like here. One is if you don't have people that absolutely love you and people that absolutely hate you and whatever you're doing, you're probably not doing the right thing. Nice. The second thing though, they said was, uh, this person said, if you get on with a customer and you show them how you do your business and they just smile and nod and say, thank you. Um, you failed because they don't care about your thing. He said, if they get really passionate about what your product doesn't have or what you're not doing, it means that they see how your, what you do solves the problem and they want to contribute to it with their voice. And so I think that from my perspective, I totally agree. So, I mean, you hit the nail on the head that, that, that feedback is not a bad thing. Feedback is actually a great thing. And when people are giving it to you, it probably means you're doing the right thing. And I think we have to take that to heart too, to not be offended by that, but to take and go, okay, let's look at how we can apply it. And that's a learning system. And we always talk about the learning healthcare system. I think mm-hmm. we as an industry can really move that forward by listening and, and, and reacting. I think it's so great. Thanks for sharing those, those nuggets of wisdom that your mentor shared with you. Now you're sharing with us. Um, obviously, it's working. You're doing very well with, with this company. Talk to us about a setback or a failure, John, and what you learned from that particular moment. How long is this show? <laughs> yeah. Uh, okay. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, that's right. One of the things that was really impactful for me personally, and I know a couple of our team at it too, was I just remember we were building this app and web um, platform off our platform for patients to come in and essentially do a, a really large registry. And in the registry, we had gotten some insights from patients, from people that would be enrolled to sort of figure out what engagement content and maybe what features or functionality would help support them to not just be supported by the study, but to also continually use this app in this case. And in the list of features, there was this one feature and I was like, yeah, that's fine. No one cares about that. Like, that's not that big a deal. Let's not put a big emphasis on it. And people Uh fought me on it and said, I think we should. And we kind of did like a a really MVP version of it, right? A real minimum viable product version. And um, funny enough, all the patients ended up using that feature the most and basically kept saying, when are you going to improve this? When are you going to make this better? (laughs) And so again, kind of going back to that listening concept, sometimes I've made a lot of mistakes by assuming that I know people. And again, getting better at that, you know, now that we actually meet with patients and sites and they, so many people have seen our platform now, you know, there's a lot that you work out and that you feel like you got a good handle on. But I just think it's like we talk about that feedback loop. I think I've in the past made that mistake of not just not sending, putting something out there or listening to feedback or not, or sort of making an assumption that maybe I thought I, because I knew it all, I should just do. And, and so that was just one of the examples that always kind of hits me and makes, keeps me grounded, make sure that I remember that feedback is important. That's awesome, John. Thanks for sharing that story. Sure. And it's just one of those things, right? Don't assume. Make sure you dive deeper and question those, those assumptions that you're making. And, uh, and you know what, though? The good thing, John, is that you included it. You included it. You didn't exclude it. Could've, that's true. You could have kept it out altogether. That's true. Yeah. And that's because like our team's awesome and they're much smarter (laughs) and aggressive than me and good for them. They pushed it. So yeah, that's a great point. But I think you get it. I think that's the, when I think about these lessons, I think so many of them have been because either I just, I didn't have my ears open or I wasn't, like you said, I wasn't asking the right questions coming to a result. I was making an assumption first. And I just think that's something that I'm learning and, and trying to build that part of character for me, you know, for the long term. 
Yeah, John. And the other thing too, is it's a testament to the culture that you've built there with your team, right? If you've got a team that feels comfortable pushing back, that's the type of innovative culture that will succeed. You know, people that are not afraid to get out of their comfort zone and, and make suggestions and hold their ground. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like I, I've been really fortunate to work with so many teams over my history that have had that mentality, right? People that you, that I could come into and I was one of the puzzle pieces of a good team or a great team. I mean, even today, like, uh, you know, the, our team at thread, this is the cultural mindset they have. Right. And it's really cool to see. I see like Kevin and Cho and Todd and Sean, like people that will jump in and say, Hey, I don't think that's a good idea. We learned this. It should probably look like that. So people that really jump in because they want to make something better because of what they listen to, because of the experience they know that they can make better. And frankly, too, I think the second piece is, is that you're never satisfied with making something better, right? Like we don't build something and stop. We're always like, no, no, no. How do we continue to measure this? How do we continue to get data to make this better? How do we continue to listen to those customers to make, you know, not just moving a button, but making sure that this is easy for them to use, that this solves the problem for them. And no, so I, I totally agree. And I'm really fortunate that that's the kind of people I get to work with every day. Uh, they're great. That's awesome, John. And yeah, you know, my, my mind goes back to that, that example that you gave us about you're sitting in front of a customer and you're telling them about the problems you can solve, the solutions, and they're not passionately tell you, yeah, this is great or actually change this. The same thing goes, leaders listening to this. If your team is just sitting quiet on that call, or if they're just sitting quiet after that meeting, are you missing something? Are you missing something? Or can you somehow figure out a way to get feedback from them? Give them a little bit more ownership because I think this could go just as much externally as John illustrated, as well as internally. Yeah, no, that's a good point. And we had like, I, I just think of, uh, Olga on our team, she's our, she heads up our quality group. And I think too, you know, so many people, sort of come into meetings and they think, oh, well, these individuals will be loud and these individuals will be quiet. But being able to empower our entire team, uh, Olga's super, the most detailed-oriented person I know. And so she would come in and look at certain components of what we're doing and say, this is not passing, this needs to be fixed. And so I think, too, enabling, like you said, the entire team, regardless of their role, to be able to be empowered to jump in and make those statements, it ultimately gets you where you want to go faster, but also in more detail. Love it. What, what would you say uh, one of your proudest medical leadership experiences to date is, John? There was this one time that when my son was really young, he was just a couple years old, and he was having some... He? So now he's 10, so it's oh, been nice. a while. And I just remember he was having, he was having breathing problems. It's, I think it was at preschool or something. He was running around having breathing problems. And we went in to see the pediatrician. And I went with my wife to the appointment because I was, I just remember being a little bit young parent as my first child. I'm freaked out. Let's just be mm -hmm. honest, right? And I think like the world's going to crash down. Um, I'm right there, I, John. My, right? my son's one. So <laughs> yeah, there you go. You live, you're living it. Yeah. yeah and it's, I'm living it. So I know that's where mean. I'm at. And I just remember just being over panicked. And yeah. our pediatrician, who's amazing, you know, came in and said, hey, it's going to be fine. Here's what, you know, we did these tests. Here's what we found. And there's this great new treatment that just hit the market. And it's this, dissolvable pill for children that does X. And I literally looked at the label and I went, oh my gosh, I ran those clinical trials. No kidding. And I couldn't, for NDAs and other things, I couldn't say it. I couldn't say yeah. it in the room, but I got so excited because I was like, man, like <laughs> I did, I was a part of that. And so I guess for oh me, gosh. yeah, you know, there's, there's just a few instances over my career where 
where you kind of saw like, you know, in research, you do work that will result in something potentially positive, but maybe a drug gets killed, but you mm-hmm. contributing to something that may not be in the market for five to 10 years. And so to see something completely go through the cycle and they get prescribed to your own son was really impactful for me. Right. Like I went, oh, awesome. That's what I'm, I'm a part of something and look at what it just did for my family. So lots of those kind of aha moments. That's one that I'll never forget because it, it made me felt like I was doing the right thing. I was a part of the right thing, which was good. Full circle. Yeah. And your son, he's doing much better now. Oh yeah. No, he's totally good. Unstoppable. So no, we're, <laughs> we're good. We're, we're filming. We're, you were taping this right during March madness, right? Right. During yep. the NCAA tournament. And <laughs> if you didn't guess from my profile, uh, we're big uh, Duke fans. So this is our this is our moment right here. So we'll either be very happy or crying furiously in the next few days, depending on the results of games. <laughs> well, I got my fingers crossed for you, brother. There you go. Thanks, man. Oh, that's great, man. So thank you for sharing that very personal story and uh, and just amazing, right, John? I mean, don't underestimate the ripple effect of the actions you take in this in this field. Yeah. That's right. No, and again, like we're doing something impactful, right? And I think that sometimes we we're just, we get in the paperwork, we get in the red tape, we get in the mix of the business that if we're not careful, if we don't step back a little bit, we'll actually miss sort of the best part about our careers is that we're, we're impacting people's health. We're helping people to live longer, to have more enjoyable and prosperous lives. Like I just can't say that enough that I have to remind myself of that too, because I'm completely guilty of getting in my hole, sitting in my chair and banging away on things. But we have this really amazing opportunity. And and frankly, the reason I teach and the reason I'm sort of trying to invest in, in other people um, is that there's this, this next generation we have coming up that they're trying to find what they want to do as they're, especially as, as some of these uh, younger um, individuals are really focused on social causes and they want to impact people more directly. What a great place to do that than in healthcare. Totally. They just have to understand that it's part business right? And it's part sort of this being able to impact people, right? And, and those two things go hand in hand and you have to use the system to both of its advantages. And so I'm, I'm excited about who's coming up, but also know that it's out, all of our job, especially leaders who listen to your podcast, you know, to really invest in this next generation and our own employees to make sure that they're getting the opportunities they have, but they're understanding what they're contributing to overall. Because I, I, you know, I feel like I didn't really realize that until a couple of years into my career when somebody sat me down and said, do you realize the kind of impact you can have in the world by being in this, in healthcare? So anyways, for great. what it's worth, I, it's just an encouraging piece that I think we all need to be reminded of. Yeah, it's a great message, John. It's definitely helped those that are coming behind us have successful careers and show them the way, just like those that helped us as we were coming up showed us. What would yeah. you say today is an exciting project Obviously, Thread is exciting, but within Thread, an exciting project that you're working on. Oh, there's a lot of them. Some of the projects, I guess if I had to pinpoint two specifically, there's one I like where we're, we're taking clinical trials and making them virtual. So we're using sort of all the different features and functionality that you have available in digital health and putting them all into one package on our platform so that you can actually conduct the virtual visits, remote data capture, engage people, make the site's experience better. So again, kind of going after how do we change the whole research study model by introducing all these different technological advancements. And so that gets me excited. It doesn't mean that it's perfect. It means that there's still learning that has to happen, 
But not just seeing one of these, seeing lots of these gets me excited because it shows a shift really happening in our perception of this type of work, but also in understanding that our constituents, right, the stakeholders we're trying to serve, sites, providers, patients are asking for this and they're willing to do it. We're the ones typically in the way to making it happen. For so, sure. So that's one of the projects. The other ones that I'm are really excited about are some of these more longitudinal programs that typically happen in like later phase studies or commercial programs where we're able to connect, you know, medical devices, e-pros, e-consents, different solutions all together in one nice package for a patient so that they can really simply get into a study and contribute to it for a long period of time. Some of the first studies we really started supporting in this model, you know, are now in, you know, three, you know, three years out. So, so you're starting to see longitudinal benefit, longitudinal outcomes from, from really these mobile enabled studies really starting to come to fruition, like data start to come out and be presented at conferences. And for us, you know, that, that research side gets us excited. So I, I think those two types of study models are really exciting and nothing gets me excited more frankly than people coming to us to ask about how to do them and knowing that they don't have to have all the answers, but being willing to do them, I think has been a big change in the last five years in our industry specifically. That's super, super exciting, John. And listeners, if you want to check them out, go to threadresearch.com. You'll find all of the, just the things that they're doing. And also uh, we'll include a link to their company in our show notes so that you could just check out the show notes and uh, pick it up there. So John, getting close to the end here, let's pretend you and I are building a leadership course on what it takes to be successful in healthcare business today. It's the 101 of John Reitz. And so I've got four questions, lightning round style for you, followed by a book and a podcast that you recommend to the listeners. You ready? Do it. Awesome. What's the best way to improve healthcare outcomes? To measure them. (laughs) Hey man, this is a lightning round. Keep it simple. And we do have to measure. (laughs) Yeah. Measure them. We, I think we talk about the big ticket outcomes all the time, but we aren't measuring all the things, all the context around the outcomes, all the pieces that, you know, all the steps in a process to contribute an outcome like a result. So if you can't measure the context and everything that's happening around that particular outcome, I think, we really come up short on being able to describe why we got the outcome we did, not just that we did get it. Great point. What's the biggest mistake or pitfall to avoid? Again, I think it's I think the biggest pitfall is probably, probably thinking that you're the only one doing something. And the reason is, is I find a lot of folks come and say, I know I'm the only one that's ever done this. And I'm like, no, you're not. There's 10 studies right now <laughs> doing this very similar. And so why don't you learn from their lessons? Yeah. So I think understanding that that's this good community we have is helpful and, and that you're not, a lot of times you're not the first one to do it. You might have your own unique flavor to it, which is good. But a lot of times there's other people to partner and help you get there. Love it. How do you stay relevant as an organization despite constant change? Yeah. So status quo has a big X for us on the whiteboard in the office. It really comes down to, as we're doing this work, staying ahead means actually doing it. In other words, one of the things that we do is we work and we do the studies and we learn from them so that our lessons learned are actual lessons learned. They're not sort of things that we think. And I think we have to be really careful with that, that the way to stay relevant is actually to do and learn and apply. What's an area of focus that should drive everything in a health organization? Oh, man. I think that high discussion that we talked about throughout this interview about how are we doing this, right? That sort of 
what's the big why behind all this? The why is that we're all trying to make sure that our, our lives and our kids and our grandkids' lives are, are impacted by positive changes and, and updates in healthcare. And so I think that if any company has a focus on that and they have a very specific big mission to contribute to that, I think that's where it starts. And I think a lot of times we get super tactical really fast and we miss out on the, the overall mission. Like, why am I actually waking up every day to make this change? And then how do I help contribute to that mission? I think you have to have both pieces. It's a great message. And finally, John, what book and what podcast would you recommend to the listeners? Yeah, so there's a lot that I read. There's two books in particular in the last few years that I would highly recommend everybody in our industry read. One is a book called Fascinate by Sally Hogshead. Oh, okay. I've and taken the, the uh, Fascinate test. Yeah, it's awesome. I didn't I, know she wrote a book. Yeah, Fascinate. Yeah, cool. it's, it's a great book. The audio book on Audible is great too because Sally actually does it. I'm a big oh, fan of hers. Okay. Um, and it was really fun. And then the second book is Leaders Eat Last by Simon Sinek. And Simon Sinek is amazing speaker, consultant, sort of business mind, but really practical. And I, these are not books for clinical research or healthcare, but they're books that I learned so much from that I could sort of apply to this work. And so those are two that really stick out for me. When it comes to a podcast, the podcast I'm really, really liking, it's on the top of my list right now, is called Masters of Scale with Reed Hoffman. And a shout out to my buddy, Chris, who's actually one of the producers of the show. Nice. But uh, Masters of Scale is a really uh, big podcast and it just talks about all these like really successful people and how, not just how they started their business, how they scaled it, like how they work through changing an industry they were a part of. And for us in the work we do at Thread, it, it's really timely. And so I, I, I really enjoy it. So I, I highly recommend it. I think that's such a great recommendation, the books and the podcast. And listeners, you've got the syllabus as well as a transcript of what John, Reitz, and I have just talked about. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash thread, T-H-R-E-A-D. And you're going to be able to find all that there, along with links to the books, the podcasts, the company, and all the things that John just talked about. So this has been so much fun, John. I'd love if you could just share a closing thought and then the best place where the listeners could get in touch with you. Yeah, it's great. So I really appreciate you having me on today. It's been a blast. And I like just having conversations with people who are moving the needle and you're doing that. And I really appreciate it. The closing thought I'd give is, is that as we look to where healthcare is going, there is a movement that's happening and being able to work with people remotely and virtually for all of our benefits. And so the closing thought I would say is that it doesn't mean that you have to wait for what you think the future is going to be. There is tactics and processes happening today that will help you start learning and implementing these today. And as an industry to really keep up, we have to take the baby steps, right? And so you can crawl, walk, run into this work. And so I, I'd encourage people to think about how they can crawl and what their risk tolerance and innovation tolerance is in their organization and just start doing something because that's where you'll get excited. That's where you'll learn. That's where you'll put your personal stamp and fingerprints on things. The way that people can get a hold of me personally uh, the best spot is probably LinkedIn. So it's just LinkedIn slash in slash John Reitz. And my email address is just john at threadresearch.com. But uh, yeah, if you want to message me on LinkedIn or connect, that'd be great. I'd be happy to connect and just to get to know a fellow leader in the industry we're serving. 
John, thanks again. We'll definitely include your contact information in the show notes as well. And so on behalf of me and the listeners, brother, really appreciate the time you, you took to walk us through your, your words of wisdom. Hey, Saul, thanks again, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks for your time. Thanks for tuning in to the Outcomes Rocket Podcast. If you want the show notes, inspiration, transcripts, and everything that we talked about on this episode, just go to outcomesrocket.health. And again, don't forget to check out the amazing Healthcare Thinkathon, where you can get together to form the blueprint for the future of healthcare. You can find more information on that and how to get involved in our theme, which is implementation is innovation. Just go to outcomesrocket.health slash conference. That's outcomesrocket.health slash conference. Be one of the 200 that will participate. Looking forward to seeing you there.